0: It's early winter in the months just before COVID hit, and I'm standing next to a baby lamb on a hill in one of the oldest commercial wine estates in the world. We are on a little green glade under a canopy of trees with a horse paddock, a nearby river, and a full view of the sawtoed mountain range they call Montserrat, where the eternal soul of the Catalan people lives on in collapsing grottos under limestone cliffs. This week's guest, Pepe Raventos, is the 21st generation of his family to work on this estate, and this here is the perfect place, the perfect vista, from which to contemplate the calm and everlasting nature of things. I say that because this is the first of three episodes I recorded in and around Barcelona just before the pandemic, and in the chaotic and confined months that followed back in New York City. It was hugely calming to be able to think back to that hilltop in Penedes, to remember that the Raventos family has been working that same land since 1497, that they and their wine had survived centuries of pestilence and famine and war. It didn't hurt also that I got to do all that contemplating while drinking my very own bottle of Raventos y Blanc de Niet, 2017 sparkling wine, which is, as it turns out, a very therapeutic bottle. This is Nathan Thornburg, and from Roads and Kingdoms, you're listening to The Trip, drinking with exceptional people around the world. You were a New Yorker. Let's start right there.
1: Yes, we went to New York in 2011 for, um, yeah, kind of like pursuing a family family dream to spend some time together in the US and uh, far away from from the social responsibilities of uh, living in a Latin culture. And so... Um, <laughs> Are you talking about, like, hanging out with your in-laws or exactly, something? Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, we're like, this is very cool, but at the same time, it can be really exhausting because we're all together in the same barrio. Fair so, enough. So um, we, we moved uh, to New York, and, and actually what was a one-year exper- experience ended up being a five-year... Phenomenal family experience. So we spent wow. five years in the boring Upper East Side. Okay. Actually, we were uh, uh, based in um, in the area of Yorkville. I like to say Yorkville and not the Upper East Side. <laughs> Yorkville, yeah.
0: The old German neighborhood by the river. Exactly. It's a nice spot. The, the apartments are a little bigger. You got the river nearby. There was a, a, a pretty entertaining profile that I think it was a Wall Street Journal did. Of you, while you were in the middle of your Manhattan moment, <laughs> uh, and there were some really there were some nice little gems that you dropped in there, including I think when the interviewer had asked uh, why didn 't you just move to London or France, and you said, "This is not a vacation mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> we were, we were um, actually you know, it 's been amazing how the american um, uh, call it a wine family has uh, adopted uh, adopted us. And, um, you know, uh, our story and the passion behind what we do and the fact of offering something different has captivated uh, the wine community there. While sometimes in Europe, if you don't do or say what your grandparents or great-grandparents or great-grandparents di- said or did, it's like that, uh, you know, you, you make nonsense. Whereas in America, you feel like you are more open to, to other ideas, to other thoughts, to other flavor profiles, to, to any story. You know?
0: It is the least American thing I can think of, though, to be a 22nd, 21st
1: generation. <laughs> yeah, twenty one generation in the same farm, yeah.
0: 21st generation farmer. Um, as 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 any student of history will know, I think we've got like... I don't know. Eight generations even possible <laughs> for <laughs> most of the colonizers, anyway, in the United States. Um, so you found in New York a place where some of that weight is then lifted off of you—the the the the, uh, the the extremely tall column of generations uh, before you.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, maybe so, um, but I think New York is. Is this place still for us, where you 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 learn to to to, to find the best of yourself? That's how I would put it. Um, it's uh, it's uh, yeah. There, there are a lot of people, but you're you're so lonely that you need, you need to find this balance, no? And and like, how do I survive in this jungle? And uh, and maybe 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 it's this, and maybe the fact that yeah, there's there's a strong energy, you know, that everybody's like like pursuing something at high intensity.
0: What, what was the best of yourself that you found? What changed in you in five years as a New York man?
1: I think the best was that what we were trying to do was possible.
0: That's, what was that?
1: That was um, uh, building building some category for, a, for, a, for wine that is still not existing. No? It's um, so our dream here is to to um, propose an alternative to champagne in the world, which we love and respect and have many friends there. And I've been uh, fortunate to do a lot of internships. Um, However, it doesn't make any sense to me that when we have to celebrate with bubbles, always we go to champagne while with red wine, for example, you can choose Burgundy, Piemonte, California, Oregon, uh, La Rioja or or, or 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 Australia to say a few, no. So really um, is uh, um, to to break a little bit the box and, and and living in New York, we decided to to declassify from our existing do that my family created in the 1800s. Well, officially in the 1900s, but it all started uh, mid mid uh, 1800s and and really like declassify and start from scratch and, and, you know, like close a window and open a lot of doors.
0: So this is really crazy. I mean, I, I, um, uh, I say that with love, but that is what you did. So Cava was essentially uh, the kind of champagne method, um, sparkling wine that was produced in Catalonia. It was your forefather, you're going back to the early 1800s, Correct. right? Who'd first brought this... Um, Secret of monk Dom Perignon or whomever had created this champagne, but cava is cava. Is cava. It's 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 the most widely recognized, uh, certainly name of sparkling wine outside of champagne. Um, and you somehow decided, no fuck that. We're not going to call our stuff cava, even mm-hmm. though we're making sparkling wine in Catalonia um, anymore. That to me, uh, well, it's a bold move. Mm. Why?
1: Yeah, because, um, because Cava uh, is, has, been, uh, has evolved as, as a method wine, and method is a, is a recipe, but it's not what makes wine great. What makes a wine, in my opinion, great is, is just as simple as the origin, no? where it comes from, and be able to interpret the small details of where it comes from. And um, and uh, for this, uh, we really thought that we needed to start from scratch because the inertia of Kava is, is is too strong. There are too many millions of bottles, too cheap in the supermarkets, which is great for 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 uh, um, everyday celebration or or a low budget celebration. And this is something I really respect. But in our case, we wanted to. We, we, we wanted we felt that we we had the responsibility to take it to the next level like you say in America so <laughs> I we do say that all the time you say that all the time and another Let's, thing that you say yeah. and I and I and I love and and, and inspired me is, um Pepe don't change don't hate the players change the game
0: <laughs> so basically this is what we do that is that is definite Spanish winemaker slang right there <laughs> don't hate the player change the game that is what you I mean it's did you not have somebody in marketing who was like, oh, my God, you're, you're going to kill me with this? <laughs> because now you're, you're creating something, the, the new name, that's uh, the new uh, appellation, right, for, yeah. for what you do.
1: Exactly. Conca del Río Anoya. Yeah. They want, everybody wants to kill me, like all the distributors, importers, because it's like Conca del Río Anoya. Could you make it easy? But it's like, dude, this is the name of the place. It's, it's the, the valley of the river Anoya. Yeah, I'm not going to change that. We have to go like really transparent here.
0: It is transparent. So it's CONCA for short? Yes. That's manageable. Yes. And so CONCA Cava. Please call me CONCA. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Mister, Mister uh, Changing the Game, CONCA. Um, what were some of... And, and of course, I love that you did make that decision uh, in in New York. It feels like a, a safe distance from Spain <laughs> in which to uh, survive. Uh, I'm sure there was outrage here or something. Because you make a very high-end product, and essentially you were... Saying, as you just said, that like you, you didn't feel the association with the name Kava was uh, was worth worth the kind of product you were making. Were were the other Kava producers like what the fuck, man? This yeah,
1: is... yeah, and still, and still, eight years later, uh, I am considered the black sheep of the of the region. But. Um, um, the time passes and it still it still uh, affirms the the decision no really there is a potential there is an immense potential for what is happening here but we really need to i think be very 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 honest and, and 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 set new rules for example i like to remind that a vine is like an olive tree nathan it's like it really it belongs to the mediterranean i mean this is where everything started as you know in georgia and in, in armenia and then and then the Phoenicians and first the Egyptians and the Phoenicians, the Greeks, the Romans, spread all over the, Meri- the Mediterranean. No? And then and then it was also spread all over the world. And this is fantastic. But we are in the birthplace of, of the viticulture. And not only from an historic perspective, but from a physical perspective, from a nature perspective, a vine likes poor soils, limited rainfall, dryish uh, weather patterns, to produce um, uh, naturally um, regulated yields of um, fantastic balance and express origin, no? how many olive trees do you see in Champagne?
0: Uh, I'm guessing not many.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, so nothing against it, but we really need to gain a little bit more confidence in the Mediter- Mediterranean shores about the potential of our climate and and and, and linked to the to the to the history. You no?
0: Well, wine is struggle, right? The vine needs to fight for that's how it kind of builds the character and that that is true mm-hmm. that some wine growing regions are just too damn nice mm-hmm. you need that bit of rockiness um, to it what what do you
1: and and sorry not only this but the biggest enemy of 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 a of a, of a farmer of a vintner is is humidity because humidity is the focus for all the is is the is the, is the, is, the um, is the food for all the fungi that attack the leaves and that attack the grapes and i don't want to get too technical to this but if you are in, in dry weathers, is where you naturally can make the less intervention grapes, the less intervention wines, organic, biodynamic, natural, call it as uh, however you want to call it. But the, the, the here, the, the whole philosophy is to go like really, really naked, put the nature as the protagonist and, and, and kind of like uh, uh, keep the ego of the winemaker in the pocket. You know? <laughs> I think um, the, f- the, first, the first message here is encourage everybody that travels to the beautiful city of Barcelona to travel uh, 35 minutes west and enjoy the beauty of this northern Penedès, the Montserrat mountain range the valleys, and, 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 and walk the potential of Conca. That's the way of understanding the, the wine regions. No, Away from architecture, which I love, but this is not about uh, architecture building, it's about winemaking. So uh, away from design, away from like big um, um, tours, Like really going authentic, walk the little dirt uh, roads that connect the villages in, in Penedes, cross the river, and 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 really feel the potential of the area wine.
0: without like a Frank Gehry hotel right plopped in the exactly, middle of it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: And and nothing against this, but we have made all the mistakes, Nathan. Solo. you know, we have, we were bankruptcy in the mid 90s because we did too much effort in architecture, and then we thought that wine was about uh, packaging and labels, and we won all these all the design awards in in prestigious mid- 1990s Barcelona. Like we've done all the mistakes, you know, and we will <laughs> continue to do many. But but really wine is not about this it's it's really about feeling the place and and you start by feeling it by by walking it and and understanding as i since i am living in the middle of the farm last uh, five years i spend uh, every day like like learning something something different no from but from flavor profile let me just say one quick thing yeah we are in an oceanic valley this is um uh, geogra uh, geology this is geography history so in the mid Miocene we were covered by the ocean for three million years. That's 18 million years ago, until 15 million years ago. When the ocean went back to the shore, all that richness, all that life is carbonatized in the soil. So the mother rock that defines the valley where we're in the landscape that we're seeing today is a mother rock with origin in between 188 and 15 million years ago is all limestone with fossils,
0: with fossils.
1: And this, but the atomeas, but like incredible amount of the atomeas. Really? This is what is what I like people to think about conca. So um, if you like fruity, drink champagne. But if you like mineral, give conca an opportunity. Because um, it's said that we are working with nature, low yields, etc., uh, etc., et able to show the most mineral sparkling wines that have been made. And this is not something of the last five years; this last 150 years. And
0: I mean, is it just a coincidence we have uh, a large American audience? But that's kind of an American palate thing too, right? That's something that they like out of their wines more than the kind of fruity or sweeter things or is it
1: well we have let's not forget that america is the is is the paradise for pinot grigio eh? so <laughs> <laughs> success but i agree let's not forgive too quickly <laughs> but uh, i agree that 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 the more the, the, the palate matures the more we enjoy minerality the more we enjoy um tension the more we enjoy uh, austerity when we are not uh, that um I would say uh, expert with wine, uh, although I don't I don't like the word because nobody's expert <laughs> in wine, and you can do a blind setting, But but we're not, we not we, we search more for impact, no, and and we, and we like and especially when we're paying our dollars, we want impact back, no, um, and I think the more wine you drink, the more you appreciate the balance, the harmony, the austerity, and and, and more than anything, the that when you're zipping that liquid your mind and your spirit is traveling to that place of origin. So you should be able to
0: uncork this bottle in New York, wherever on earth you are, and then
1: somehow be looking over the Montserrat Mountains and just kind of feel. This is exactly the idea, and this is what I think the most successful wine regions in the world have been able to do, is create this essence, create this, maybe not create, interpret this authenticity, that when you're drinking that um, beautiful Nebbiolo, you go to the slopes of Serra Lunga d'Alba or, or La Morra and even you can see, you know, you're, you know like the, this landscape, those chestnuts and the, you know, the coals and the truffles and the food there and everything.
0: That is true. And amazing hiking, the kind of walking from the hilltop fortress to hilltop fortress. When you talk about trying to tease people out of Barcelona, Um, like you said, 30 minutes out, I don't, I'm not even sure that I would have put on the top 10 things that I know about Barcelona, a town I know pretty well that there's a wine region right here. I would have thought, well, maybe, you know, um, Priorat or, you know, places that are a bit further out. How do you, um, how do you do that? You just get people to, you just start making good shit and they'll come.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um... Uh, let me uh, answer that question in, 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 in another di- direction. am um, between one hour and two hours from Barcelona. There is an undiscovered treasure that I really want to use this, this, this podcast to help people discover this. Ampurdá, for example, north of Barcelona, with so-called uh, Spanish Toscany, is uh, like this pool of med- medieval villages which is incredible in the Girona province. It's it's super special. When you move a little bit further um, to the west, there is all the Planada Vic with this incredible gastronomy. You hit the Montserrat mountain range. Of course, you can drive a little bit uh, further north to the to the Pyrenees, where there is like this um, amazing uh, gastronomy, little villages, etc. Go south, Penedès cross Penedès and get to the sister sense area of, of, um, uh, Santa's Creus and, and Mont Blanc villages with, with these old monasteries and everything around them, you No, know? the, all the, the vegetables, the, the landscape, it's spectacular. And today we were talking at lunchtime about Priorat, which is something that you cannot miss because it's the most beautiful wine region in the planet.
0: That's those are big words right there. Most beautiful wine region in the planet.
1: Yeah, to me, this the the authenticity that priorat um, um, uh, offers is what makes it like really, really spectacular.
0: One of the things that people, I, I think, don't know about Catalonia in particular, um, from a great distance, is the fact that it is kind of eight, it's at least eight landscapes or, you know, uh, in one. I mean, it's, it's a very small uh, chunk of the earth, but it is, this is what we were talking about, I and mean, it's a... It's a it's a blue sky day out there and you know, we're close to the Mediterranean. You're packing everybody up to go skiing a short drive away uh, for the weekend. And you know, this is, this is kind of what Catalonia can do for you. So for you, wine comes into it because you have these very specific, very specific valleys next to specific rivers who are gonna have a specific taste. Mm-hmm. And Cava is just, it feels a too flimsy. Uh, of a of a description of, of something like that. Tell me again what the what the wine, particularly the sparkling wine that you uh served at lunch was. This is this sort of orange-ish, really beautiful, just very fine sparkling wine. Is that, is, this is a special reserve? Is it um thank you, yeah.
1: Yes, uh thank you, Nathan. This is a, um this is a very limited uh uh, production that, that la viña mesalta gives us. La viña mesalta in Catalan is the highest vineyard, and it's a very small plot on top of the property where we have the poorest soils of all, where the vines mm, auto uh, uh, regulate their yields. And um, I actually planted Pinot Noir in that plot in my young years. And a big you, mistake. You fool! I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't. I really. I wanted to make like the most elegant possible rosé, and, and and you know, in my family, rosé is like, oh, baby, this is no 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 real no real stuff. Say, no, no, no. Very classic, very elegant. Believe me, tasted such elegant rosés that there's a there's a, a, a potential here. So anyhow, I planted pinon War too much color, uh, low acidity, uh, total total mess. So uh, four years later, I regrafted those plants. Mm, with uh, indigenous uh Catalan Reds, Sumol, Charello Barney and Bastar Negra. And this is what uh, texturas the Pedra comes up with. Ah, uh, okay.
0: Um these are uh and this is the hill just behind your head here mm-hmm. where it grows. I mean it's kind of an incredible and I I do uh with much apologies to listeners, you cannot get this. <laughs> it's limited, sorry. <laughs> but what can they get? What's the what's the what are they most likely to run into? Uh, from 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 you guys in in the states say,
1: our our um, so from that mistake from that mistake in La Vina I pumped into um, Antoine Bilecar who um, is uh, now making the wines Bilecar Salmon that you may be familiar with and I say Antoine you know you make this most beautiful rose in and Champagne. And so. And, 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 and I'm trying to make this, said, Pepe, everybody in Champagne talks about Seigne, but really the secret is to do, um, to do it by blending, you know. And this is what my great-grandfather did, and he was the first one to, be, to blend Cotto Champenois with whites, and that's how Billy Carl's Salmon Rosé icon uh, was originated in the sometime uh, mid-1800s, mid, uh, something like this. So um, so we started and we started this. We understood that to make this blend, we needed um, to find an indigenous grape that, that ripened at the same pH, that means at the same parameters than the, than, the, than the whites. And we came up with a wine called Denit.
0: Denit. What is this?
1: This is our sparkling rosé. Which is um, has become the signature of the rosé sparklings in uh, in our country. How do you spell it? Um, D E uh, space N I T. Ah, okay. Yeah, somebody in America told me you shouldn't call this because it relates to some kind of bugs or something. But
0: uh, oh, like a knit? Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know. It sounds like you are not really open for. Um, lots of feedback from the marketing crowd. <laughs> <laughs> you seem like you have your own very specific ideas. You're going to do it, so
1: no. to hell with uh, that. Se- seriously, this, this rosé is, is, is something that, that people may know that they need from Raventos or Raventos Rosé Sparkling Wine. You can, you can find pretty, pretty open. In, in, right. In, in, well, that's going to have to do,
0: people. You won't have the that, that epiphany, that gorgeous moment that I had at the table just down there uh, when we opened the reserve, uh, the very limited edition.
1: In white, we work with Sharello, which is the king, um, meaning that its flavor profile, balance profile, agriculturally, is the best grape to work with, and it has survived generations because of its quality. Then we have Macabeo and Parellada who are also very interesting, not so, so qualitative, but this it is like an agricultural um, 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 diversification insurance uh, uh, risk. No? So basically what happens is when you work with different grapes, you have different moments of flowering, different moments of uh, um, um, harvesting, so you can you are less exposed to, to the to the weather. Um, if um, something terrible happens to you, one grape, your if other will... You still will. have the other, so you can survive. This is why in Champagne there's Chardonnay Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier. This is why in Bordeaux there is Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc. This is why in Burgundy there is Chardonnay, Pinot Noir. This is why in La Rioja there's uh, um, Tempranillo, Graciano y Mazuelo. And then in reds we have Sumoy, um, Garnacha, Samson, um, mainly... Um, Charello Barmey we're also recuperating, and now we're really working to to, to find more grapes that have been um, kind of abandoned because because of the invasion of the French uh, uh, grapes. Mainly, we're such a young uh, country, Nathan, that... uh, uh, after the dictatorship, you know, like anything that would come from France would be better. So we um, took away most of our beautiful indigenous grapes and planted Cabernet and Merlot all over the place. So now we're trying to get that Trying
0: way. to rip them out in the, the Pinot Noirs, the exactly. mistakes of the past. Exactly. Um, and there's also, what is this, the Bastard Neg- Negre?
1: Yeah, Bastard Negre is a beautiful red grape. Um, that uh, also has been planted in Sardegna called Bastardonero there, Southern in in Catalan, and and Valencia uh, shorts called Moristel, uh, Inland Rioja, Graciano. It's um, rustic, beautiful, high acid, intense fruits, um, um, really, really well adapted to our shorts.
0: Um, and what are you doing with uh, with that? you have some single grape uh, wines that you're making with that, right?
1: I am making a very, very small um, natural Bastard Negra here in uh, query style in the garage. And then in these all-
0: giant clay amphora, basically. exactly. Yeah, in your in your kind of magic workshop. Mm-hmm. Why I, I, I had asked you this when I was down there, but why does a man who you know sort of commands uh, this this impressive, uh, machinery for putting out tons and tons of wine, then go into his own garage and just tinker, um, and you know, in a place where you could be parking
1: cars, say. Um, <laughs> well, um, um, uh, first of all, we we we, we don't we, we don't have a, an immense facility, eh? but yeah, true. In sparkling wine, um, the machinery is quite uh, quite. Uh, Extends and then and then it seems that yeah sometimes this is this is bigger than what it is no but we, how many bottles are you doing? We make four hundred thousand bottles every year, in, uh-huh. in, in, depending on the weather characteristics. No.
0: And where does that put you in terms of producers in the region? So
1: Moet et makes thirty million bottles, uh, <laughs> and um, okay. um, I don't know, and maybe. Uh, uh, a smaller uh, uh, this is this is like the big grower champagne kind of volume eh? Freshnet freshenet makes 130 million bottles for example Codornu makes 40 million bottles this is why cava has such an inertia of 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 cheap no um, Got it. So with your with your
0: moderately sized uh, output, you're still you're still trying things on in, in the garage. The sense. garage,
1: the, the garage is the garage is like why, why cars, no? I mean, we put the cars outside, and, 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 and it's a perfect small place, um, and, and uh, clean and cold, and it's, it's, um, it's um, sterile, no. Meaning that the yeasts that are um, living in the in the skin of the grapes. When we bring them in, are going to be the protagonists of the fermentation, and that was something that really interested me. Is that when you make spontaneous fermentation, there is no contamination of other yeasts that have been in the cellar in, in for previous vintages.
0: Got it. Well, in a place where you are 21 um, uh, generations into making wine, I'm sure there's just a lot of there's a lot of old wines <laughs> floating around in the there's air. There's a lot of
1: old yeast <laughs> ready to contaminate anything.
0: You had mentioned the, uh, the I guess, economic crisis of the 90s. Um, you had to basically go into exile then, right? You couldn't. You didn't live here. Mm-hmm. You kind of troop moved around different cities. Is that right? You, it yeah, wasn't sustainable. my, my father had me. to
1: sell the family house and then move to uh, uh, Barcelona where I grew up and then um, had to sell some vineyards and and everything to to, to go back on track, no? We had difficult times, made a lot of a lot of mistakes, and uh, um, yeah. But then basically, kind of like my life has been a, a, a tension towards the dream of recuperating such a beautiful tradition of so many many years, you no know, more than five hundred years, cultivating this farm. So um, yeah, um, again, no, when uh, things started to be better, I said to my father before the kids are too old. Uh, Let's, let's go to, to, to America and, and try to create distribution there. That's what was the why of, of us spending these first, uh, first years. And it, it's been a fantastic experience. And then we, with, with, the, with the first benefits that we started to, 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 to build, we refurbished this house. We refurbished the old uh, guest house. And we kind of like brought the life back to the farm. Now we live together with two draft horses. And we have a herd of sheep and goat that are grazing now here freely in the, in the semi freely because if not they would go to the Pyrenees. But in the farm until bud break when they are going to be living in the forest. You no, know, I have this, this, uh, this great uh, um, um, uh, American farmer called Joel Saladin who. I quote him when I love this quote. He says, "You know, f- people think farming is about this. Farming is all about fencing." You know, <laughs> so, so that's that's. So you've uh, been building fences uh, here. Uh, fences for the sheep, and then we have uh, we have um, uh, we're trying to b- bring back all the all the all the breeds of, of of different animals that belong to the Mediterranean farm. For example, the pigs, also uh, a local breed called Pork Ral from uh, Northern Catalonia. We have the um, chickens, gallin- el gall del Panadés gallines del Panadés, who make, lay beautiful eggs. And, um, and uh, we work with these uh, people from uh, in, um, La Seu who are experts in ornithology. We, we design these nests for all the birds that used to live here before the era of confusion, and then with the pesticides and, 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 and all, the, all the chemistry in the farm they left. And now we build, designed these nests, and we, we installed these nests, and they are all coming back into different parts of the farm. We underground four kilometers, three, uh, almost three miles of electric lines, all uh, um, to, to protect uh, from birds, to, to eliminate... Uh, you buried all your lines. Yes, yes.
0: So what does this have to do with making wine?
1: Well, I'm a believer that, uh, that um, uh, to express origin, you really need to be, bring a lot of life into your farm. And, and um, the, the principle is very, is very simple. The more diversity there is in your farm, the more richness there is in your farm, and the more resistant and strong your vines will be, the least treatments they will need and the more authentic wine you can make. I've, I I really um, left the idea of perfect wine long time ago, and I think my duty is um, to help make the most authentic possible wine. Mm. And what is more authentic than this this wine that comes from these grapes that grow in a farm where animal, man and plant live, uh, closing the circles, uh, the small trophic uh, chains, no, um, um, like creating their own compost with the animals that are grazing in this in this farm and 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 so forth
0: so it's it has to be some sort of what were you saying before about closing the circuit like Mm -hmm. just having this this uh this farm that has kind of all the components uh together i mean i guess it kind of reminds me of that three sisters concept where you always grow things together but for you it can be viniculture and pigs yeah. And, yeah. And,
1: and, and and the idea is that um every um so every system generates its own flora, flora fauna and and m- microbiotics, no? So the more different systems you have, it's like a patchwork of systems within the farm, the more diverse that your farm will be. So for example, um, it's as as important as making the grapes is also when we have our fields that are resting. Um are to regenerate the soil, we're planting um um wheat and 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 with this we create food for the animals. But also we are helping another system to exist, which will generate its own flora, our own fauna, our microbiotics. Makes sense. Yeah. The same with the olive groves. The same um, with the almond groves. The same with the sheep. That you know, all 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 all, all the different protagonists of the farm
0: right across the street isn't isn't the i mean that's that was part of the old lands Mm. that had been sold off and and is now disconnected from your family and was sort of bought by american
1: um hedge fund a hedge
0: fund i mean it's it's uh I, i i was kind of thinking about that it's an insane juxtaposition where here you are with your family and your dogs and your and your name and your heritage and you know kind of really trying to live on these slopes in this particular way. And then right across the street, you've got, you know, the Wolves of Wall Street. I don't know who they are. Maybe they're amazing people, but that's what's happening to a lot of the wine world as well as a lot of agriculture in general. It's just becoming more commodified. Um, Do you feel like, do you feel the... The satisfaction of being a counterweight against our times do you um or is it just uh, just trying to keep your head down and...
1: i think there's room there's room for everybody and 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 for me i am not an example at all no and uh, i think the question uh, in, in in nowadays no with this change of value is more of um, do I live simp- simply enough? No? And when you ask yourself this question, uh, in my case, I realize that not at all. <laughs> but, um, but, but, but I think being that said about that the, the there's room for everybody, um, I think we're living in a very interesting moment, Nathan, where, where I see that with the young generations, they question a lot the success rules that have dri- driven our generation and our parent generation, no? and questioning that, uh, this, this idea of success. And um, we see this with all with all the you no know, with all people like really caring for, 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 for environment and for, for nature and from from uh, maintaining uh, maintaining a better a better planet you know? and, and well, trying to not only maintain but recuperate what we lost no. True, we said also there's always been a big trend of people like like uh, in care for the needed, eh? and I think this is also so, also something that that um maybe maybe needs to regain more more power and uh, not only the the care for for the landscape, which is something sometimes a little bit more marketing ish no oh i am very very responsible because I take care of the landscape i, I me as a farmer from is critical, but uh, um I question myself um do we care for the people that are in need no
0: yeah. Well, and in, in wine's funny because there is a lot of bullshit in wine. Um, you know, it seems to be. And everybody, you know, you that's, can pick your different bullshit. But
1: That's a quote I, I use a lot, but I didn't know you were allowed to put it in your podcast. <laughs> we're we definitely allowed to put it in the podcast.
0: What is the bullshit in wine? What, uh, what, 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 when, you, when you say that, what, what is it referring to?
1: The bullshit in wine is that because it's so, so impossible to objectivize Objective um, uh, taste uh, to, to be yeah. objective when you when you're tasting one. It's so impossible to 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 say this and this costs this to make or is like there's so much room for marketing that then this is what becomes that, the bullshit. The, the people who are huh? yapping at you about cava or denite or <laughs> yeah or you know or, uh, oh um this wine is great because it's um. It's a made like this, like that, like this, like that. And there is very little. And then, and uh, first of all, too often what is said is not what's really made. And this is very, very difficult to track. And, um, and in,
0: in terms of what they're saying, like this is organic or this is. Organic, heritage.
1: organic. Thanks. It's it, thankfully now it's 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 certified. So, okay. so it has to be certified. No, but for example, um, uh, in my in my dear region, so much wine that has the name of my region comes from other regions because the big players uh, can buy it cheaper. Uh-huh. And this is the biggest uh, drama that we have. For example, in Cava that there is no control of of where the wines are coming from. So So from something as big as this, like putting... putting, uh, Penedes and bringing the wine from La Mancha which is the cheapest region in Spain uh, and people or people saying Bordeaux and well, the wine is coming from Chile right and they're or just bottling it here because Bordeaux sells more than Chile yeah like uh, like uh, this would be a big bullshit but also at a smaller level you know like super prestigious wines you know that they say that, uh, cost uh, $200 because I use, uh, I don't know, a type of uh, recipe with this wood or whatever, and then, then that it's impossible to track. No? So, yeah, there's a lot of bullshit. Another bullshit would be the architecture bullshit, no? like to build these big, big, big beautiful architects. Uh, uh, wineries where we're not selling architecture, which I, I always say I would like to be an architect if I don't make wine. But but <laughs> you've, you've seen the checks that go out to those guys. But no 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 not for that. I have, I have sensibility for architecture. I love. I think it's a very important uh, métier and and with a very important responsibility. I am a. Fun of me is Van der are well, I'm crazy about, it. but but now we're talking about wine, not about architecture. Yeah, yeah. No? The same with the names and the packaging. Haven't you seen these ridiculous labels? Now it's all about you know, like the yellow tail effect, for example. No, so uh, really, we need to to I think step back and 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 look at look at uh, nature origin farming and 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 decomplicate. The the thing. So that's the that's the front facing the commercial facing. But then you
0: also have on the winemaking side, you have you know kind of fevers that grip winemakers. We were talking about uh, Demeter, which um, is I don't quite understand it, but I think it's something about the cycles of the moon and the lunar phases, and it's an adding like some sort of um, shamanistic qualities to the process of winemaking.
1: Yeah, this this also helps to complicate the whole thing, no. Like yeah, when it's time to use more wood or less wood or, or and, and so on. No, it's it's of course there have to be trends, but 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 um, they kind of complicate uh, the the expression of the expression of sights and the and the and the work and the connection with earth, which at the end of the day is what is more beautiful about wine. No? Talking about Demeter, claro, Demeter. Um, the matter brings fantastic things like a connection when with the farm, the compost, the recuperating the farm organism, and then also it brings more esoteric uh, aspects to the table, which kind of, uh, in, my, in my opinion, um, make people uh, more confused. No, um, it's. It, it, of course, it's. Um, I think it's uh, uh, demonstrable that uh, Demonstrable? Does this make any yeah, sense? Demonstrable. Yeah, demonstrable or like, demonstrable. Yeah, Yeah, whatever. Yeah. But uh, the 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 uh, here in, in the village, when the moon is descendant, you know. You go to the hairdresser, and, and and there's big line because everybody knows that the hair grow, grows slower. So by the cut, you know, you you have a longer, a longer, a, 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 a longer. Uh, this is uh, an actual thing that happens. This is an thing that happens in all the villages in Europe, eh? not only in in, in San Sadurni Because as you know, when the moon is descendant, makes makes descendant pressures that, for example, create the tides.
0: Yes, the okay. tides. The tides I can believe in. I see okay.
1: it. Okay. Then the ties that you can believe and see, you can also you can do your thing with with, with your be- beautiful hair that <laughs> we you. still have. Yes. Uh, but also, also, um, for example, it's the same with the plants. So when the moon is ascendant, it creates pressure that the sava circulates more towards the roots, and then it's the moment where you want to do the pruning, so you don't cut. Um, you don't damage the plant with your cuts. So this is something that, while it seems to you esoteric, it's for me it has a lot of common sense. That's actually true. What is more esoteric is, for example, when we go into the preparations where we have to mix um, cow uh, manure that we have been uh, uh, we have uh, buried into cow inside cow horns into our soils in during all the winter uh, season, and then we. Uh, um, underground them in the the spring, and then we call the dynamization. We mix it with water, uh, and we dynamize this water, creating uh, circulation in two different uh, directions, creating what's called a vortex. And then with this uh, water, with a cow manure, uh, uh, dynamized, we spray it in the soil, enhancing the connection of the roots with the minerals. Um there I can understand we're starting to confuse a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, that's like real Eye of Newt
0: bubbling cauldron, uh, you know, witches' coven stuff. Mm-hmm. You're putting cow manure into a cow horn, burying it underground the mm-hmm. at a certain time, mm-hmm. bringing it back up. And, mm-hmm. um, wow. Yeah. Okay. You don't need to do that to make great wine.
1: I think you don't need to do that to make great wine. I think um, biodynamics... Um, can be criticized by being too esoteric, while there is a very important centerpiece, in my opinion, that biodynamics bring, is that to, to even control further the, the the application of copper and sulfur and, and chemistries following the organic uh, movement and taking it to the next level. And um, also the recuperation of the farm ecosystem, creating your own compost, making your compost a centerpiece or an important piece of, of all your um um, Winemaking or viticulture philosophy, but there are other parts of um, the meta certification which um, uh, are hard to 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 believe. That uh, kind of not to say don't make much sense. Um, inspired by this Rudolf Steiner uh, philosophy, uh, yes. um, who is a man that at that time he was not much knowledgeable about wine. Not only that he didn't like to drink wine, but he didn't um, um, cultivate a grape in his life. So, so. Um, Again, bullshit can come to all the parts of, of the winemaking cycle. Right.
0: So you have Steiner, a guy who did not like wine, but was throwing down you know, laws that uh, caused people to go out uh, you know, by the light of a full moon and um, collect esoteric
1: ingredients for... It their... wasn't his fault. It was somebody later that, that said, this is going to be interesting, that's going to help me sell my wine, and then brought this into, into the puzzle.
0: So it all comes back to marketing at the end. Hmm.
1: Yeah, um, I would like to say that uh, best marketing is no marketing. This is a quote of my friend Andy Page from Chicago, again. And um, I think that in wine, the future is the past.
0: The future is the past. I mean, strip all that other bullshit away Yeah. And get back to what you Don't had been doing. Don't spend money in
1: technology. Don't spend money in pharmaceuticals for your grapes, pharmaceuticals for your musts or your wines. Just try to understand your place and, if possible, talk to, to the old people that are working in the vineyards next door, work together, learn, learn from them, and just, you know, um, read a little bit of history of the place that I'm sure there is. And that's that's the future of wine, that's what, what's going to be of interest. Uh, something real, something authentic, something naked and and made with care and passion. And the, the more detail that you can apply to it, the better the wine will be. And uh, Less detail, maybe some vintages will be fantastic, and some of them you're gonna make a little mess, but it's also okay.
0: You um, have records that go back to 1400 that, something. Yeah. Late 1400, yes. Late 14, 1497. 1497 of people in your family line making wine on this property. Um, how is I mean, we always think of like history as just starting to accelerate and accelerate. Do you feel the pressure of like how? You know, how can you avoid being one of the last generations to do this? I mean, having four kids helps. You've got lots of options to choose from in the next
1: vintner uh, yeah, class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully one of them likes to continue, but really uh, not at all, because there is there is. Too much wine in the world, you know, like it's only wine. So so it, so it's it's OK um, f- for now, maybe one day I will grow a little bit of concern, but it's about doing it right and having fun and, and living the moment and living the present. Yes, though, accepting that that maintaining this tradition is something very beautiful.
0: Yeah. What happens in your family if somebody just uh, has a, a poor palate, you know, like, you, you know, a great grandfather who or great, great or, you know, If you have this many generations, how is it possible that they're all able to make wine and taste
1: it? palette! like everything, is something that you can educate.
0: So it's not, it's not possible that just one generation is kind of fallow. and This is a the, little
1: bit also for the, for the movie theater, you know, <laughs> uh, the the the, the, palette, the palette is something that you educate with everything. And this, you know, this thing of the generations, uh, let's admit that this also has a marketing side to it, because to be honest with you, I think every, every generation has to start from scratch. I didn't know how to make wine when, when I was a kid and I had to learn everything. So there's not a secret um,
0: ledger that sort of passed not from
1: at All the only thing is that maybe you have the feeling, you know, when you're here that i don't know there's an energy that you have this sense of belonging that that makes you you know want to spend more time in i don't know out, out here and, and you know walk out the door and and feel feel you know breathe breathe the spirit breathe the breathe the temperatures breathe the, the air breathe what's happening you know that try to make the wine more by by feeling and less by recipe
0: i'm you know i i'm like fourth generation down in key west and and for me that like inspires like very deep emotional resonance when I go down there. I'm I'm sure the math doesn't work this way, but I'm just trying to imagine that feeling multiplied by you know a little over five, mm. and you must just be like surging mm. with land power, <laughs> you know, just that vibe of like spiritual past and heritage. Uh, although that would be pretty obnoxious for you at the end of the day. Cause... Yeah, so
1: I like what you say about Keywords. There's something about where we come from. There is something about it. Also, we 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 cannot banalize it.
0: I'll I'll follow up that question though, specifically with your kids if. All four of them are like, hey, I'm moving on. Right, what, what, what do you feel about that, if they're going to leave the wine trade altogether?
1: Um, maybe it's true that this saddens me more than I thought. But uh, to be honest with you, I don't think about it much.
0: Well, you have time. You're in the, you're in the prime of your, your wine-making, uh, uh, crevry, hoarding, uh, garage-tinkering. Self. Um, well, the wines you make are outstanding, and I uh, got to sample the ones that people at home can't even try, which I feel incredibly lucky for. So, thank you, Pepe. Thank,
1: thank you, for, uh, thank you, Nathan, for traveling the world, uh, trying to 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 share in your podcast uh, stories of um, smart people and some of not so smart people like me. And uh, <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you here in, in Conca del Riu and, and anytime, uh, I hope. Uh, Yeah, we still have a gastronomic celebration pending. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you.
0: The trip from Roads and Kingdoms is hosted by me, Nathan Thornburg. Alexa Van Sickle is our producer. Theme music by Dan the Automator. Episode illustration by Daisy D. Sound mastering and composing by Ricardo Gutierrez. Show artwork by Adele Rodriguez. Executive producers are me and Matt Goulding, also of Roads and Kingdoms. Next week, the second of our three episodes in Barcelona, it's a new one for us, the Mexico-born chief rabbi of Barcelona, Daniel Askenazi, who happens to be a huge craft beer fan. Over a few of those beers, we talked about spirituality, how to handle racists, and why Moroccan Jews just sing more than the rest of us. We will meet you there.